Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. We have another incredible episode lined up for you today. But before we get into that, huge shout out to all of our amazing sponsors Janice International, Store Local, Live Oak Bank, and Tenant Inc. Be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You guys probably hear us talking about these guys on the podcast all the time. Janice International, tons of amazing people, tons of amazing products, services, their Noki service, their R3 program, all these different aspects to help you build an amazing storage facility or upgrade your storage facility. Uh, just a fantastic group. Store local. It's honestly one of the biggest threats to self-storage is, is market consolidation and everything that goes along with that. So enter Store Local, the largest storage co-op in the world. Just amazing people again, tons of tons of awesome people there and uh, amazing solutions to bring everybody's resources together and uh, utilize those in an effective way to be able to compete and also uh, thrive in a world of competition with some of these larger REITs and the big players in the self-storage industry. Check out Store Local. Amazing, amazing opportunities there. Live Oak Bank. I don't know how many of you guys came to our live event in Coeur d'Alene just this past year, but uh, we had some amazing conversations with Live Oak Bank there, and they were probably one of the most popular uh, <laughs> topics there in our, our breakout sessions. And And people want to know. They, they want to know the financing. You guys want to know what the solutions are, what the deals look like, all these different aspects to financing. Live Oak Bank is that answer specifically for self-storage. They specialize in storage, which is just incredible. There's no learning curve for them to understand the asset. They know it. They've been there before, and they can help you see things that you might not even be seeing yourself. So Live Oak Bank, amazing. Check the link in the show notes. And last but not least, Tenant Inc., Tenant Inc. is an incredible slew of products and services, essentially, for your storage facility to help automate, to help streamline, to help optimize your business and your storage facility. They've got uh, their Hummingbird platform, Nectar platform, uh, their Mariposa platform. Just to scrape the surface here, their, their property software, the big thing about this is the API is open. So you guys can actually, you, you own your data, you can use other third parties and back that into your systems. It's not this closed system that, that only uses proprietary X, Y, and Z. You guys have total control over your data, total control over these various aspects of running your business, uh, running your storage facility. And uh, they just got some amazing products. Again, these are storage owner operators that have created and developed these solutions. And uh, it, it's just an amazing platform. So check it out. Without further ado, guys, here's the episode. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And today, me and Connor have a very special podcast to end this year. We're going to talk about a lot of long-term trends, how they're playing out this year, a lot of data. And today, we get to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, 
my best friend, my partner, but most importantly, my dad. He's on here with us to go over. And this is going to be a great one because he talked about this in our, at our event. So at the self-storage income event for everybody that was there, um, he had this huge... Like it was, I wish we could do this. We'll probably have to do a YouTube or something with this too, because he went through a lot of these trends, consumers, what's happening in self-storage. And it was just, it was so full of information. So we got a ton of great feedback from it after the conference. They loved it. So we thought this is going to be kind of a good year for, to end this year off. We can talk about for the podcast, those past trends, what they mean today, and how that really accumulated to 2001, and then what that means moving forward. So with that said, Dad, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks, thanks for CG. traveling all the way from your office <laughs> to right here. That's that long five steps. That's right. Well, thanks, AJ. It's good to be here. So, you know, to kind of start it off here and talk about you covered a lot, mm-hmm. right, in your speech. Yeah. And you showed a lot of really good data and everything, but... Maybe you can talk specifically about the stuff that stood out to you and why those trends were important and, you know, give context because 2021 was crazy. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's been an uh, absolutely amazing year for storage yes. in 2021. And I think it's also what's brought about so much interest in people getting into it. But when I look at the the, the data and the information, I find it kind of interesting And so I'll just jump into some of this. The number of households that use storage, if you go back from 2005 and look at the data through uh, 2020, is kind of interesting because in 2005, there was 10 million, just barely over 10 million households using self-storage, renting self-storage. And then you fast forward to 2020, and obviously the population of the country is up about 20% or so, but... The usage of self-storage is up about 35%. And this is in 2010? And from 2005 to 2020. Okay. And this is important because I want to give context uh, to you because this is always funny. We talked about this conference, but um, you may remember back in the heyday, right? When it was like houses and everything else, um, everybody was going crazy. I had friends that were buying like duplexes and fourplexes, and I didn't even understand how they were doing everything. So I'm like, well, this is where we're going to get in in investing. And and this was right about this time. This is like, this was 2004, five-ish. And you came to me and you said, hey, I just bought with a partner this storage facility that was in Eastern Idaho, this little town down the road, and you showed it to me. And that was the first time that I'd ever even seen storage. So when you talk about the utilization, that's the first thing I remember was like back then when I first saw storage and you're kind of walking around and I'm looking at this thing going – People use this, right? Like literally, it's like my first thing. I'm like, what? What are it's people doing, worst. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, and then uh, you know, it's I always joke about how it was. It's the PNLs that convinced yeah. me, and you're walking through those numbers. But from that point, like even when we were first looking mm-hmm. at storage, when you first said, "Hey, I think this is a good investment." And we started buying the little storage facility. I mean, the world, because that was right about that time, yeah. has totally changed. So how many people were utilizing during that time? 
Well, it has changed dramatically. It was just over 10 million in the United States in 2005. But it's interesting, the percent of population using it in 2005 was 8.95%, so right at 9%. Now, if you fast forward to 2020, it's the number of people using it is 13.5 million. That's, so it's up 3.5 million people. But, but that's like a 20 or 30% almost change. Yeah, yeah. That's huge. But the percent of population using it is 10.6% and growing. So the percent of increase is a couple percent, but our population has exploded. So the number of people using it is 35 million more people. And if you look at it from a, the business standpoint, the businesses that were using it back in 2005 were about 10%. Well, they're up to just shy of 12%. So more wow. businesses, a higher percent of business growth in the self-storage has really happened during that time. And so it's interesting to see. You know what that really that. reminds me of? What's Franklin that? Road. Yes. Like, exactly. So when we built Franklin Road, which was, um, geez, what year was Five it? years ago. Five years ago. Um, we designed it more along for the businesses. Yeah. So we tell them about some of the stuff we did with Franklin Road specifically for businesses yeah. and why we had that idea. Yeah, Franklin Road is interesting because of its access to the interstate and the valley here was going to be so good for business. And while we were getting that close to being open, we had, for example, a pharmacy rep just hounding us to be able to use it because they lived nearby, but they covered a couple states. So they needed something close to where they lived. And what we found, in, as we anticipated, we built that with electricity, uh, switches in them, so they had timers on them. We had some climate control for, like, the pharmacy and others that needed climate controlled, and then um, plug-ins in the motorhome enclosed ones. So we were able to charge more for these unique features that most storage didn't have, and its geographical location was close to the center of the valley, yes. so people really like it, and we have amazing uh, number of businesses and they stay for, and they stay forever. forever yeah and we've got we did like the larger aisle ways exactly. so semis could drop off product yep. things like that and still get out which yep. at the time we forfeited square footage for that and we yep. had a lot of people that were like you're giving up a lot here yeah and we were like yeah but if we can attract businesses we can charge more and i you, um it was like the first so, okay, tell them fast. I'm sorry, I know I'm getting sidetracked, but tell them the, how fast we filled that one up. In 90 days, it was 82% occupied. It just absolutely was incredible uh, what happened and shocking to us. And so the, you normally you plan out about a year and a half to get to stabilized occupancy, and we did it in 90 days. And we had a business that came in and bought up how many units at once? It was like, I mean, 12, 13 yeah, units. Like He's like, I want 12, 13, yeah. 10 by 20s. Yeah. So this was huge. This yeah. was like half a building Yeah. that because it had that specialty niche yeah. and it shows in these numbers how that really played out well. Well, and in addition to the wide aisleways, we had um, an exit gate that had uh, the large opening so that they could swing around where trucks or trailers or semis or motorhomes could access it very easily. And obviously 24 hour access, the climb control part, uh, sewage and water dump for the motorhomes so they didn't have to go pay extra for that. So we did a lot of specialty features with that and electric uh, hookups and outfits and lights so we did make it kind of unique and it paid off big time big time yeah. i love this so much because it's a it's a prime example of looking at the market and fulfilling a need yeah. versus fulfilling a pro forma or you know or creating yeah. one yeah. Yes. you know where you're saying oh well you know all these units they look great on paper 
or yeah. that square footage that you sacrificed it would have looked great on paper but the utilization is far greater the value is far greater it's just a prime prime example and i love that because that's something i think a lot of people miss Yes. No, that's a good point because if we had looked at it that way, we'd have built a lot more 5x10s and 5x5s, smaller ones. And instead, we tried to have a, a wide range of them. And you're exactly right. Fulfill what we felt like and from the information we had was the kind of needs that existed there. And it, it, it paid off big time. Mm -hmm. So since we've gotten into the storage industry, this has changed a lot. Yes, it has. It's been it's been interesting just in the last several years, the dramatic change, several things. For example, when you mentioned Franklin Road and what we paid for that at the time, we thought it was kind of expensive for a brand new high-level construction. <laughs> well, today, uh, the value of that's four times what we paid yeah. to have it built four years ago. Yeah. It's Crazy. exploded in value. And it's full all the time. Yep. And um, and raising rates and doing the kind of things to uh, continue its value. And um, so it's a top-notch facility in a top-notch place. But we're seeing that now in most our locations. In uh, 2021, the the industry has just exploded. We've been able to raise rates. And part of that, in, is, too, has been the housing boom. And you take markets, for example, here in the Boise area or even in the Reno area or Spokane area and those kind of areas where there's a lot of growth out west here in many of these areas. And with interest rates low on housing, people are upsizing, downsizing, uh, building new homes, those kind of things. And as a result of that, about 30% of all storage is related to home uh, changes moving, downsizing, upsizing, those kind of things. As a result of the housing boom, it's really increased it. The other thing too, if you take markets, for example, like in the Boise area, where in the last year, housing prices have increased 24 plus percent. Um, and all of a sudden people are going, well, I can't build or buy as big a house, but I still got all my toys and my junk and my stuff. I need some place to put it. And so storage has become more valuable for those kind of things rather than build an extra room or store it in a garage. And so the demand has been there and is growing. And people are uh, obviously a higher percentage of the population using it because they're more comfortable with it, more features. It's not in just an industrial park. Yes. It's in nice areas with nice office uh, features and 24-hour access many times and all those kind of things close by their home so they can go over and get their toys or and whatever they need. And that was a big thing, I think, with one of the things with Franklin Road. I mean, I mean we've mentioned it a couple times because some of these trends you talk about, it hit. But in that location at the time, there wasn't anything like that. Right. There wasn't these nice facilities. It was very more rundown kind of thing. This was uh, multi-story. There yes. was climate control. It was high-end. And a lot of the people that were moving here, they expected those things. And so it that's why it, it filled up so fast. It really did. And too, with uh, to Connor's comment about we, we filled the need, we had everything from you know the pharmacy rep to the construction guy to um, somebody that needed uh, to store their pictures of their grandkids or whatever it might be, to the CEO of one of the big companies here in town that had a half million dollar plus motorhome and needed a nice enclosed facility yeah. to put it in with easy access uh, to where they lived and where their work was and those kind of things. And then too, from where we're located, you can access the easy route to go up to McCall or wherever you might yeah. be going to to do these kind of things, your boat or your, your toys. And so I think that's well, why this is important, right? Because mm -hmm. when we talk about these changes, like we, we talk a lot about 
what's happening in the industry and this in this information that you you went over and discovered it shows why it's so important because when you when you identify these things and you hit that market and give that correct product as opposed to just doing either what everybody does or a builder or an architect said but you run it like a business right it just exploded and a lot of people haven't updated i think their models to accommodate a lot of these kind of trends no, you're exactly right. Uh, use use of technology so people can uh, rent a unit either online or from their phone. Because even if they drive by and see your sign or something, first thing to do is go on their phone. Right. And um, so we've made those kind of tools available uh, for people. The Noki system at one of our uh, facilities where you don't have to have a key and a lock anymore. Mm-hmm. You can do it from your phone. And, uh, you know, scan it and you can get in the building into the through the gate. Those kind of features. You can walk in the office and rent from a screen there if somebody's either busy or not uh, available at the moment. Or do that from your phone or your, your computer. So the technology has been a huge update to uh, make it more convenient and easy for folks to pay their bill with auto pay or online. So they don't have to write a check or get a, a paper yeah. bill in the mail. Those kind of tools have been huge to be able to access uh, a tenant protection insurance program so that if that disaster happens or something comes along that's unforeseen, uh, you know, the the giant snow and then it melts and floods their unit, they have protection for those kind of things. Those are the type of stuff as well as the security things, the cameras, the the automation to be able to track and see if somebody's coming in to uh, trying to break into your unit. Those type of stuff have been huge improvements to uh, what we offer to, to people and why storage they're more comfortable with now. 100%. What other things that stood out for you in your research? You know, that one of the other things that's interesting is um, with building like we were talking about with the Franklin Road one a few years ago, we thought it was kind of expensive at the time. But given st- uh, steel prices, absolute skyrocketing this last year or so. I don't want to talk about it, guys. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. If you're building new new facilities, um, there's definitely some changes between that and supply um, availability and getting stuff there. Just huge difference in just the few years of the, the cost to build. Now, having said that, you got to evaluate, too, between building and the cost associated with that and the time it takes to get filled up enough to pay your bills versus going out and maybe paying more yeah. on a market thing, but the, the facility is 95% occupied. Yeah. And so you can uh, begin doing your thing the next day and you got money instead of going, okay, I'm going to start building today. I'm going to go buy the land. And here you are three or four years later going, well, I'm still not making any money because I'm just getting open and operating. And and then you got a couple of years after you get it open to start making money. So it, you got to measure all these things. So with the increased cost of labor, Steel prices, um, you know, concrete, everything, yeah. it's its changed from what it was just a few years ago. Now, the other side of that, too, is if you own one, the value of that, if you're wanting to sell or go on the market, it's also changed, yeah. and you got to kind of weigh that. But when the other thing, too, though, that when I look at uh, some of the stuff, both from a business increase as well as a household increase is the other thing that really is, I think, positive for storage is the millennials. They are the first group larger 
than the baby boomers, me and my generation. And so we now have this larger than baby boomer, boomer, boomer generation um, that is in the house buying, house building, a family growing, different things like that, that um, is good sign for the future of self-storage because they're obviously in that stage where they need those kind of things. And so I think that's a positive thing for self-storage where in the past you kind of go, okay, uh, with the baby boomer generation and they're getting older and they're going to be less needs there. Will there now be a group? Yeah, a lot of people it? thought that, thought it like they literally, when we started out, yeah. they were talking, remember about the millennials, yeah. right? My, I'm the starter of the middle millennial generation and how, well, they are, they don't use storage. And well, that, turned out to not be true they're like right. these people are minim- uh, minimalist they're not going to want storage and i think that a lot of those themes that we hear is in, it took takes away from the the fact of things that really drive storage yeah. and i think that the millennials is the perfect example like some people are like oh yeah storage is successful because we're hoarders and it's like that's actually that undervalues what's really happening and although millennials aren't hoarders the economics, I can't buy as much home, the restrictions on what I can do, I need to be more mobile, right? They got hit with those economics. And so they're actually the largest utilizer of storage. And uh, um, I think another reason is why you mentioned and what you're talking about here, it's important to understand these drivers. So what do millennials want? How do they access? Like you mentioned, on your phone, online. That's what they want. Exactly. And that's why you have to be set up to accommodate and access those folks or when they, you know, ask Siri on their phone, what's the closest storage facility to me? You better be one of them that pops up or they pick somebody that pops up. And uh, if you're not there and using those kind of online access and uh, marketing, then you won't get those folks. The other thing too that I see is a, a huge kind of positive in storage and we've experienced it is the growing need and demand for climate controlled storage. And um, I, I wondered if that would slide or slip here a few years ago, but in fact, it hasn't. Uh, because again, if you're a millennial and you're moving, getting a new house or whatever, you know, if you got your big screen TV or uh, things like that, you have a really expensive leather couch, you got to have it climate controlled so it doesn't get damaged or ruined yeah. while it's sitting in there while you get into your new house or you're moving. Um, again, many businesses like the pharmacy reps, they got to have that kind of stuff. So the demand for that has been growing plus. The other thing about it is you can charge more as a storage owner. Those are uh, units you can can charge the higher end price. And people are willing to pay for that to make sure they have that that protection for their items. 100%. So those are some of the, the kind of things. When you look at the reasons, too, why are people renting storage? The number one thing, which is 37% of the population, is due to relocating you know, they get transferred in their job, they're moving, whatever the case might be. Uh, number The number two thing at 22% is not enough space at home. And again, that could continue to grow as people can't afford larger homes. They need extra space at their uh, nearby facility to put their stuff in. Um, and then uh, changing households, downsizing, business purposes are all on the list of, of reasons. But if you're looking at the major reasons relocating and not enough space at home of why people rent and use storage. The other thing too is once they do, their anticipated time they're going to use it 
tends to be longer than that yeah. because you don't got time to go move out. You don't have um, whatever, the season, the weather to, to go move or it's convenient to put your stuff in. Yeah. And so the types of items people store include everything from clothing, furniture, home appliances, and then seasonal items, you know, all your Christmas mm-hmm. stuff, decorations or whatever it might be. And if you look at the age categories that rent the most, it's the 35 to 55 or 38 percent of the population that uses it and then 56 years old to 71 or 39 so those two age categories are the vast majority of who rents self-storage so and and the different needs as we talked about there and then one of the most important things and i refer to it often is who makes the decision of renting storage 65 percent of the decision maker of who and where and what are females so what we always try and focus on what are the important things when uh, you know the mom comes in to rent um, and gets a space she wants to be safe secure comfortable um, it's not threatening it's in uh, got all the features they like that we talked about so the the decision maker of what location it has less to do with price and more to do with these other features. So um, the females are the major, almost two-thirds of all decision makers of when and where to rent. And so other features, though, that are popular um, are, again, the insurance merchandise is another big one. You have uh, something to wrap my uh, plastic to cover my mattress in or my couch in so I don't worry about it getting... Uh, you know, damaged or dirty while it's in there. Uh, locks, if you're using that, a lock. Facility. And that also comes to, you, you mentioned the static or the um, the number before, what what was it, 40 or how many users are relocating? It was uh, uh, 30 some odd percent. 30 odd percent. So <laughs> products, if you're relocating, yeah. assisting products to assist with the relocating, right? That's a big service. It's a huge one because if you're sitting there in the office getting ready to move in with your stuff, uh, you're not so concerned about the price of the lock or the mattress cover or a box to store things. It's not like I'm going to go down to Walmart uh, two or three miles away and save some money on it and then come back. It's like, I need it here. I'm here now. I need the convenience of it. So it's about convenience, not so much price for those kind of features that's really important. The other thing that's really important uh, to folks, particularly the decision maker, is when they come into your office, does it feel comfortable? Does it feel safe? Do you have the the nice features there? We offer things like popcorn, bottled water, other features that are free to them so that they can come in and go, okay, this is a nice place, comfortable. Our manager takes them out in a golf cart uh, down to show them their unit that they're looking at or different sizes so that they can make a decision. And then from there, they can, again, from a keypad or from the manager can help them get set up. They can do auto pay and features like that so they don't have to deal with billings. And so, and it's in a location that's you know, close and comfortable for them related to where they're living or needing it for business purposes. So those are just some of the kind of things that we look at to kind of make it as convenient and comfortable and as effective as possible for our customers. And then from there, they tend to stay longer if they are comfortable with those things. We try and have a good experience for them when they're trying to rent. So, you know, we're talking about these trends and who using it, how's it going? And it 2021 has been a you know massive year for self storage and we're seeing a lot of these 
trends. And I think it also shows in products. Like we, you know, when I always refer back to how much it's changed from when we got into it, um, you know, storage was drive up, great industrial, right? Consumers, though, these trends you're talking about, how they needed it, why they needed it, electronics for climate controlled, tied with the demands of cities has changed the way storage is built, viewed its perception of it. And we can see that now playing out in the marketplace, bigger, nicer, high-end facilities. Um, I think you you remember when we we used to own uh, gyms and I was at one of our gyms in Florida, I remember when I called you up and I'm like, I just, this, there's a storage facility here. It looks like it was a hotel. It was in, um, uh, Bonita Springs, right north of Naples there. And it was just, it was crazy. I was like, I can't believe somebody built something this nice, right? At the time, that was just shocking. Now, no, you can find those all over. It's That's not shocking at all. And it's been interesting to see how in 2021, what we're seeing and the types of players that are playing in, in the storage industry are, are, are very different. And yeah. we were talking about this just a minute ago outside um, and Talk about that, like who's come into the storage industry and how that's changed the market as far as owners and buyers. Yeah, it really has changed. Uh, It used to be so dominated by two kind of groups. You had uh, the mom and pops that owned the vast majority of them and still own a high percent. And then you had uh, two or three of the major REITs, publicly traded, that were dominants, you know, the extra space and public storage type of the world. And um, since then, though... Um, and then Extra Space was a big manager, a third-party manager of them. Since then, funds have come into it, investors, people wanting to have ownership in them, um, not necessarily run or manage or be control them. They want somebody else to do that, but they want to be a part of that investment. What they learned from the 2008 crash was it provided stability in very difficult economic times. And then since then, has even grown and improved and done better. And uh, there are nicer ones. For example, our facilities that are all indoor climate controlled. People love that. You know, you can pull into the building to unload your 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 couch, your your toys, or whatever you might have, and um, you get through with the not having a lock, and you can do the automatic system with a uh, you know an app from your phone, and you're indoor the whole time, whether it's really hot or really cold outside, and then the protection that provides and security that provides both to you as well as your items. So as these features continue to Uh, be more and more available, the investors are also seeing that as a huge uh, upside to them. And as we've seen from our experience, the increased value that these these bring. And also, you can raise rates on a reasonable basis, on a steady basis, and you tend to have very little movement because when you're taking a small, relatively small percent of people's income for expense and you're raising it a reasonable amount, it's like, that's not worth going moving out yeah. for. That's a headache. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Plus, if I go move in a few months, they're going to give me a rate increase too. It's so, more expensive for me exactly. to move than it is to me to pay this rate all year. Exactly. Because if you have a lot of stuff or if you're a business, you're going, well, I'm here for a specific reason, reason. either due to location yeah. or convenience or whatever the case might be. So it's I'm not moving to save $10. Exactly. It's not worth it. So as a result, the storage from an investment standpoint continued to be value because it can you can grow the revenue and the income. And uh, those type of things, you have 
limited um, expenses. You don't have to have a lot of employees, um, those type of things. You can use more technology for the security and cameras and all the other things for access so that it's not the expense of having more and more employees to do it. Speaking of expense, AJ, do you, for anybody that might just be tuning, in, tuning into this episode for the first time, do you want to share the three types of customers, who you want yeah, to focus on? Yeah, we cover this a lot. And it, it comes down to a lot of these consumer trends and mm-hmm. things that my dad was just talking about. And we discovered really early on that there's three types of facilities and they fit the needs of three different types of customers. And the the low end of it is the price sensitive customer. They're just simply the cheapest place. That's all I want. I don't care about quality. It can be in an industrial area or not. I'm throwing an old motor or something in there and I just don't want to pay a lot. Um, The second one that we really identified was the one that really cares about location. Right. It's it's a lot more important to me about location, how close it is to me, how I can access it, different things like that. And then the third is quality. And we find location and quality also can group together a lot and that location and price can also group together a lot. Um, but the quality was I need climate controlled. I need something nice. I want it to be secure. I need the amenities and what you can charge directly correlated with those three types of customers. So you remember like the Mr. Jones experience that, you know, CJ yes. brought and we were always doing the Mr. Jones experience. Right. It was this idea that we identified that customer that was the quality high paying customer and training our employees and everything on that person and trying to get our employees to realize that we don't want all customers. We wanted that top one. So that meant the ones that were concerned about price when we raised prices and they got mad that we don't care because that's not our customer. That's not who we're trying to pray, right? Mm-hmm. If you have, if you're McDonald's and somebody comes to you and gets mad because you don't have a Whopper, you don't care. You're <laughs> McDonald's, yeah, yeah. right? And it was hard. It, yeah. yeah. And it was hard to explain that to our managers. We don't want everybody. We didn't build this nice climate controlled facility that's brand new amenities and everything that came with it to try to compete with the guy that's in a junkyard down the road, Right. That's not what we're doing here. And uh, identifying your asset, the qualities, how it competes, and who you're trying to attract is really important. And when you're looking at these trends and who, how, why, that comes all into that idea of getting the right customer for the right product. I talk about that a lot. It's not a unit. It's a product. And it's not a tenant, it's a customer and product market fit. I think that was something we did really well at first. We really identified that. We didn't try to be everything to everyone. We shot after the customers that we wanted. You know, that's a good point. And the other kind of component to that that we haven't talked much about is the need and demand for motorhomes, fifth wheel trailers. There is simply, I always say, not enough parking spots or units for motorhomes. And in the last uh, 2021 and uh, since COVID, the year before, motorhome sales have exploded. Exploded. They were already a lot of demand out there for that, but it's even gone crazier. And particularly because these folks spend a lot of money on motorhomes or fifth-wheel trailers, most neighborhoods won't let you park them in them, so they have to have it somewhere else. 
but yet they oftentimes don't want to spend a lot of money. So they don't care if it's out in a, you know, gravel parking lot thing, uh, as opposed to others, like the one I mentioned earlier, that's maybe got the half million dollar motorhome. They want that in an enclosed area so it doesn't get weathered or damaged. The same time though, with the motorhome for storage is one of the reasons there's not enough is because your rate per square foot is so much lower to have space for yes. motorhomes as opposed to building a 10 by 10 or 10 by 20, where you can get much more revenue. What we tried to do is a balance, have some of all those choices, the climate controlled where we can, the smaller units, mid-sized units, the bigger units, as well as some either parking, covered parking or enclosed parking for motorhome, because some of those motorhome folks also use other units. And even though that's not the best return for us, we've tried to provide a wide range of different options for folks with limiting the amount of motorhome parking because it's simply not as financially good for us. Uh, but we've had some of that. So that's one thing about parking. There's never enough. We have constant demand. They're all filled, it seems like, everywhere. And people are always looking for some place to park their motorhome. 100%. Yeah. And that's a perfect, too, example of identifying those trends yeah. and seeing how they're changing and what our customers want. So, I mean, you talk about how um, this demand's changed and how much we've changed even in our building. And right now, we're building products that you know, we would have never built these four or five years ago, ever. We would have never done this. Right? No, I mean, Franklin, Franklin, again, is another perfect example of that, where uh, how many huge units of those did you actually build? Yeah. Whereas nowadays, you probably would have built more. Way right? more. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yep. <laughs> and so you've got to, you know, in order to, in order to be successful, you have to listen to the customer. Yeah. And we would ignore what storage specialist thought and we got feasibility studies lots of times like you know shorten up those aisleways you can get more here don't build such a big office because you can get more units in your and you know we we said yeah that makes sense that makes sense as a builder but that didn't make a lot of sense to us as a business right and we got to listen to the customers and what they want and we're willing to change and we'll change our models based upon what is needed and a lot of people don't view real estate or they don't view storage like that they view it like real estate where we you know we firmly believe and we say it all the time you know this is a business and it has to be treated like one but you can't treat a business you can't treat it like a business if you don't understand the customer right. and these kind of trends what you're talking about the changes understanding who's buying it's females buying right this idea that a huge portion of it is transitory right and you're talking about demand and what's been because a lot of things have been overbuilt so a lot right. of individual unit sizes will get overbuilt when they actually need rv units and right. locations and quality i don't understand why aren't people coming when i have this unit available and really they need to climate controlled um um, it's, it's a big deal. Now, speaking of that, then, what do you think that, you know, based upon these trends and everything moving forward into 2021, what do you think it looks like and what do you think people should be have their eyes out for? Well, I think um, going into 2022, the the based on what's happened this year and stuff, the the question in my mind 
that could change the demand is what happens to mortgage interest rates. Now, if they stay reasonable and stuff and the housing boom continues, then they'll continue to be a demand for uh, uh, that area because it's 30 plus percent is people in transition. And so if we get a higher interest rate spike or anything, it could slow that part of it down. The same token, again, because the demand's there, more businesses are needing it. Um, as we talked about, more uh, demand for motorhomes and those type of things exist. So one just needs to look at what you're doing there. For example, we expanded two of our facilities this year. They filled up immediately. One of them, we tore down the old office and built a nice office. Obviously, was a huge deal for people because the old office was not pleasant, clean, or comfortable. And the new one uh, fit that model we do to make it a, a you know comfortable visit location and experience. And as a result, just filled up immediately. And so while we're doing it too, we were able to recognize the existing facilities, what they needed to have in terms of unit size, unit kind, um, climate controlled, whatever the case might be. And we filled those needs there. And as a result, they filled up. So I expect storage to continue to, frankly, probably have a, another great year in 2022. The two issues being what interest rates do on mortgages and then what construction price does in terms of the growth of new storage. But the funds are out there wanting more storage and to invest in it more and um, the demands there. So if those two stay on track, uh, 2022 could outpace 2021. Yeah. And this is a, what you bring up here real quick. It's an important part that I like to tell people, you know, that number that you said earlier is something I'm always fixated on. And that is the um, number of renters that are transitory. And when we say that we mean that they're moving and um i call us there i i and you probably remember this from the podcast i'm talking about this a lot but i believe there's a certain percentage of occupancy that is purely transitory occupancy meaning that if there's a slowdown in the housing market that occupancy will be severely hit mm -hmm. and understanding the demand of the location that you're in is really important because the more occupancy that is transitory that you have the more occupancy can be hit if you see a rise in interest rates which mm -hmm. that is the big fear for self-storage for me is that mortgage interest rates just like you will rise and that transitory occupancy will get hit because the housing market will slow down you have new supply on the market and a lot of people and you know, don't understand that most of the time you're betting that transitory occupancy turns into long-term occupancy. So in order to fill up your facility, you need high transitory occupancy. That's why in 2008, all the storage facilities that went under, the ones that we bought, most of them were newly built and there was no more transitory occupancy. So they sat empty because nobody was moving. The housing mm -hmm. crisis, crisis had collapsed and occupancy just stalled out in, in storage. So understanding and thinking about that, I completely agree. I think as long as the housing market is going good and mortgage rates stay, stay okay, and I mean, housing demand is off the charts right now, um, that, you know, self-storage will remain really, really hot. No, I agree with you because out of those that rent storage, 72% of them are from single family housing. 
Now, that's some uh, a mix of ownership and rental of single family, but that's where they're from. 26% are apartment or condos, and then 2% are others, business-related and those type Which of things. Which a lot of people think of this wrong, and, and that was something that's interesting. A lot of people come into storage, and they really believe, well, it's everybody that lives in apartments because they don't have rooms. And Actually, that's not true. Right. They are not the largest driver or utilizer. And when we look at markets that are good, I actually think that it's not one or another. It's not that it's high density. That's actually not a, like, I like to see a mix. I like to see a lot of middle-class homes, average normal homes. You like to have multifamily. And then I like to actually have higher end homes because then it creates a mix of customers and you can diversify your unit type better. No, you're exactly right. And also too, what types of units people want. Um, For example, the most popular two sizes are uh, five by 10, which is 31% of all people rent a five by 10 and then 31% rent 10 by 10s. And then 25% rent a 10 by 20 and uh, 13% rent five by fives. So depending where they're coming from, whether it's apartment, single family housing, those type of things, moving, upsizing, downsizing, whatever the case might be, is the type of size they may need to, to, um, to get that. Because as you mentioned, 37% of all uh, rentals are from people relocating. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're moving down the street to the new house or mm-hmm. moving state because you got uh, transferred in your job or whatever and you're you're moving. And so and then 22 percent is not enough space at home. But it's that that relocating, uh, upsizing, downsizing, moving, tra- job transfer, those kind of things that are the bulk of it. So if housing stays strong and unemployment stays strong, so people are getting jobs and have to move to different locations, transfers, those kind of things, this will continue to be uh, 2022, another really good year. And it doesn't appear, I, I don't see anything on the horizon that's dramatic. I don't see interest rates going up so dramatic it stops housing. We're not in an overbuild situation in most places. Uh, unemployment's now uh, very, very low. Some of the record low in like 57 years in the country, those kind of things. So going into next year, for the most part, looks very positive for storage. Mm -hmm. Very positive. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Sharon. This is, I mean, just full of meat, useful information. And uh, I think, you know, understanding these trends and what's been going on, which has always been obviously a center focus for us and really diving into it, it makes or breaks and what you're putting out on the market and and i mean by when you're buying a facility finding that upside it's all around understanding the markets and what's happening and what's coming um it's a really really important piece and everybody can go watch uh to your video uh for your live event we're i'm going to put it on the youtube and we're also going to try to get it on the site and that's from our self-storage income event and uh connor what else do we need to remind everybody before we jump off here well while you're talking about that i don't run is that uh presentation you had with the slideshow and all that is that in like a powerpoint format or something or? yes we have that okay gotcha we might be able to put that on the website too that's a great idea maybe include yeah. that with the video yep kind of go through all that way you guys can download all that stuff yeah. um outside of that man we're just we're just pumping out content like crazy got a ton of awesome videos coming out uh youtube's just been crushing it uh if you guys haven't been to the youtube channel go check it out tons of tons of value on there we get all kinds of questions all the time on youtube and it's like hey yeah actually we just did a video on that like you can go back and, <laughs> go and check that out. That. yeah it's actually right here uh so it's it's awesome uh love that interaction with everybody out there and uh you guys are asking tons of awesome questions uh if you guys haven't subscribed to 
us on iTunes or any of those platforms. Subscribe, leave us a review, help us out. We love doing this stuff for you guys and uh, want to keep this thing going. So, yep. Thanks for coming on, Dad. Thank yeah, you all so very much. much. Appreciate it.